1: Welcome to the Pivot with Purpose podcast, a podcast all about helping you identify and navigate your next move in life or career with confidence. I'm your host, Megan Houle, a one-stop shop for all things recruiting, professional development, and career pivots. And through my insights and our guest conversations, these episodes will help you to shift your mindset, change your direction, and change your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of Pivot with Purpose. Today, you are in for a treat. We are talking all things money and finances. And today on the podcast, we have Jen Reed, and Jen is a sought after personal finance expert. Commentator and founder of Base Planning, a virtual financial planning and management firm in Boston. Since launching Base, Jen's innovative approach to personal finances has caught the attention of national media outlets, including HuffPost, Go Banking Rates, Best Life, Mother Untitled, Apartment Therapy, and more. Jen happens to also be a licensed financial planner and believes that financial planning and wellness is a commitment and discipline, and any willing person can turn their financial situation around to feel amazing about their money. She is also a certified NLP, ETF, and hypnotherapist, which helps her clients dial into their subconscious programming and reframe their beliefs around money. So I promise you, we will not have you throw away your Uber Eats account just yet, but there's definitely ways that you can save money and feel good talking about money. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Pivot with Purpose podcast. How are you, my friend? How is your day going? What's going on?
0: Oh my gosh, it's so great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much
1: for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. And I am so obsessed with this topic that we're going to discuss because I feel like since I've spoken with you and, you know, everybody listening in, Jen will go into her background and all the things, but we're talking all things money and budgets and finance. And I was dreaming the other day, Jen. Dreaming right for the for the mini sleep that I get like four hours a night. Uh, do you have you ever seen the meme where the guy's like holding up signs, and it's like the dude with a sign, and he's in New York City, and he's like, um, like I don't know, you don't need that last espresso martini before you go home, or he'll be like, nobody cares about your gym workout. <laughs> have you ever seen the dude with no sign? I'm gonna send it to you if not. But yeah. I had this, I had this envision getting ready to talk to you. And maybe we can do it in a social post that I was gonna like hold up a sign because I know when you and I first spoke, I was laughing about not, know, not knowing what like budgets were back in the day. And, you know, like, oh, what's that money? Like, I'm broke all the time. But I was gonna hold up a sign that says, a, a budget is not a candy bar they sell in CVS. <laughs> like, a budget uh-huh. is a real thing. So we all need it. <gasps> Back in the day, Payday, they do sell at CVS, but that's got like a bunch of like nuts and that one I like better. Um, But no, it's so great to have you on. I can't wait to dive into all things finance and your backgrounds and all of your amazing pivots. So to get started, tell us a little bit about where you're at now. Like, Give us a, a quick rundown, like bio, what are you up to? And then we can like dive into all the juicy career
0: moves. For sure. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I love talking about all things money. So money, mindset, budgeting, investing, building wealth, starting businesses, yes. anything, career pivots. But I run a boutique financial planning. So we're concierge service style. Um, we do everything from financial planning to management, organization. And it really is super high touch because it's getting people comfortable with having fun conversations around money and not having that anxiety driven one meeting a year with your financial advisor, who's going to talk crazy financial jargon to you that you don't even understand. You walk away feeling even more anxious around money. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of pivoting this whole world of the financial industry and as a whole being scary and unknown to something that feels super easy and super fun. So I work with clients one-on-one, helping them manage everything a little bit. So anybody that's just getting started or even just busy professionals who just don't have the time to do it, helping them find the time and space to start prioritizing it because it really is something that it's so important. Money touches everything. We can't get away from it. And we weren't really taught about it like no. high school, college. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I never had a course on how to have good conversations around money.
1: No, I, we, I feel like we talked about this. I had a, a home ec, like home economics. <laughs> I'm dating myself. You're like, oh, i But I remember, <laughs> I remember being taught how to write a check. Like how to like physically. I don't even remember that. Oh, yeah. So we learned how to write out a check. And then we were, I was like the check babies. Remember when we used to like pay for stuff with checks?
0: Or did you ever pay with With checks? (laughs) With checks. <laughs> I do have a checkbook, but it was like it's been slowly faded like out. So it's like I, can... I know <laughs>
1: anyone listening then they're like, "What, t- girl, get with it?" No. <laughs> Wait,
0: Venmo wasn't a thing.
1: No. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I know. Like we're talking, like what? I graduated in '97, so yes, I'm old. I'm old AF. But none of this, none of this tech was around. And then the money conversations, absolutely not happening. Still to this day. And I think also too, when you come. From from a corporate setting environment you're not um you're not trained or uh, approved to like talk about money and your salary and all those things like within your work partners like it's like a huge hr thing so it's like who do you go to and then you feel a bunch of shame around it if you're like oh shoot like i'm not where i want to be in my 401k or i haven't even started it so i think to have someone who's very approachable and will make you feel safe and comfortable, like judgment-free zone. That's amazing. Um, Where did this whole love for financials, budgets, planning money, where did it get started? Was it something early on you're like, yep, I'm doing this? Or what was that pivot with purpose for you?
0: Oh my goodness. It was a big one. It was $80,000 in debt and getting married in the middle of having real big... Conversations around some venues that we were going to have to put some money on, and living paycheck to paycheck. And I was in a job. I it was a marketing job, and I kind of hated it. It was like I went in uh, in the morning crying, and I left at the afternoon, like having anxiety going back. And I was like, I need a career pivot, anyways. And while I was there, I just started diving into like, okay, how, oh, like I'm so stuck to this paycheck how am I going to get out? And I actually started to get really good at the money side. And it made sense. And I was like, all right, the career pivot might just be finance and like figuring out how to make my money work for me and save a little bit more. And it just fit right. And I started, I mean, in the period of like leaving my job and starting full time in the financial world, I was able to nanny part-time to kind of cover some hours and make make the financial move work and kind of took off from there.
1: Yeah. So what did you have to do to leave marketing to get into what you're doing today? Was there more schooling or courses or did you already have that like in your background?
0: Um, so I have a, a business marketing HR background. So I mm. kind of understood a little bit of like benefits and 401ks and things like that, but they never really... Again, who understands what a 401k is, right? Like, it sounds more like a 5k race you're gonna run, right? Than an investment vehicle. So, yeah, so in the process of leaving that job, I was taking courses, I started getting my investment licenses, and went in, you know, started looking at the financial planner certifications, all those things that kind of go along with getting hired in the financial industry And yeah, that made it a little bit easier. I started interviewing with some big firms and kind of found the one that worked for me at the time. And glad it's in my background and my experience. But it's something where I learned a lot um, of things I don't want to do with clients. And that was kind of the pivot to just branching off and starting my own business.
1: I love that and I and I think that's so powerful to mention as it comes up a lot on this podcast of that moment where you knew that a it was time to go and then b being able to see transferable skills within your background or maybe some of your superpowers that you weren't leveraging in a certain role but that were pulling you more towards another situation and let's face it I think in that first sometimes really big pivot we aren't always maybe landing in that like dream yes job but that gets us closer right to that end game where maybe you feel like you're in that now so what did that pivot look like getting into like a big corporation and then yeah what was that moment where you're like okay i'm i'm done i'm done with like the big financials or working with someone someone else like it's time for me to go on my own
0: Yeah, so a lot of the financial world is commission-based or they wanna work with people who already have a lot of assets to manage. And for me, that was kind of the missing piece that I felt kind of held me back when I went to go try and find someone to help me with my finances. I was like, I'm in debt, I have no money, I don't come for money, my parents aren't wealthy enough to, to go work under their financial advisor or get advice from them. And there was this gap of like, who do you go to for help and support in the interim where you're still trying to build wealth and get ahead? Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to one of the financial advisors just in the company. I was like, will you, will you help me with my stuff? And he just said, go set up a Roth IRA and I'll talk to you in a couple of years. And I was like, Ugh. like that, <laughs> if that's what you're, you're like, sell- t- saying to people, yeah, mm. right? Like, why wouldn't you want like help me build the skills, help me build habits. I really don't feel good around this debt, but I don't know if I should be paying it all off at once. I don't even really understand the interest rates around stuff like that. And it just was like this moment of like, okay, this doesn't exist. I need to create it.
1: Ooh, like a white space moment. So what, what years were, were that? And how long were you working in the big firm? And then when did you go in, and go off on your own? And what what did that look like? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I worked for um, some big firms and some small RIAs for about three and a half years. Learned, again, learned a lot. I'm so grateful for that period. And then branched off in 2019, basically right right before COVID hit and have been doing this for four years now on my own. And it's been the best decision I ever made. And I've got to work with and meet some incredible people who probably wouldn't have been accepted or taken on as a client from some of these firms that I was with in the past.
1: Yeah, because like you said, you need sort of a financial threshold, right, to be considered with some of the big firms anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So what is the biggest pain point uh, when clients come to you Mm -hmm. or, or you find clients? What is a resounding message of like, Jen, help me. Like, what are we all struggling with in general?
0: Yes. Not having the confidence to talk about money as a free and fun thing. Yeah. It's stressful. And I, and I get this kind of resistance a little bit. Like I get a client on a call we set up their first meeting. They're ready to go. And then sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going to push it back a week or I'm not ready or I'm not prepared. And it's fe- it is this feeling of like you have to have your stuff together right? before yes. you make that first step. And it's like, no, I want you to come in messy. I want you to come in as you are and we'll figure it out because you trying to do it on your own has got you where you are right now. Let me help you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
1: And isn't that like the the theme of, I don't know, the past three years of of rise of entrepreneurship of people saying like, oh, you know, I want to do this or I want to invest in this or I want to start my business, but or it's got to look like this, or it's got to be perfect. And it's like, no, just start. And in the messy action is where I would say the better results come from and nothing is ever going to be perfect. And it's never going to be a good time. And I feel like when it comes to your money and finances, especially, I mean, I'm sure you work with a lot of people that are just really struggling with debt. And I remember the days I was living paycheck to paycheck. and like, oh my God, how am I paying rent? Like my grandmother would send me $10 every week. And some times like that was like my lunch money crazy back in the day where I'm like how much ramen is safe to eat sodium wise in my body it was like (laughs) like, uh, (laughs) but um it's so much anxiety so would you say like that the debt piece like what are the top three things people come to you like beyond trying to talk confidence is it like debt and then savings or like what what are those top things
0: yeah I think Spending habits is like the number one of like, mm. they, they feel like they make great money, but they get to the end of the, like, this is my rush of people being like, I'm at the end of the year and I don't know where any of my money went. Or, you know, I... yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. right? So it's like,
1: yeah.
0: or they want, they want to budget and that's the dirty word in the financial world, but it's really this like, ca- ability to spend that it's your freedom Go ahead, right? Is your budget. Um, and that's where they want to budget, but they have such resistance against it, or they started and they failed and they start and they mm-hmm. try something new, or they try an app, and nothing seems to work with that. So that's usually one of the big ones. It's just nice to have a partner in it with you that that's holding you accountable, saying, Hey, this is how much we spent this month. If you yeah. can't pay off your credit card, like we need to focus in on that next month. Mm-hmm. Or We are working on a little bit, like a little bit more of that credit card, debt management, uh, student loans, because it's starting to get in this world of instant gratification where we don't say no, or we don't wait and that builds up quickly, or we go buy the car that we want that maybe we can't afford uh, just because the sales guy says we can. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last is really just feeling super excited around investing and making it feel attainable and achievable Mm -hmm. and not so scary. And I think that's one of the coolest things when I can have a client drive and we go into Fidelity and they're setting up their accounts and Mm -hmm. I'm teaching them what investments are and what to look for and how to think about it as they set up their portfolios. That's so, so exciting.
1: Right. Yeah, because anyone listening right now, if you're driving, don't do this. But like, raise your hand if you want to work for the rest of your life. We'll wait. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you can't do that while you're driving because
0: most people <laughs> don't keep their hands. Raise well, you know.
1: we'll your hand if you want to work forever. And it is this crazy thing where I really didn't get behind the savings piece of it. Uh, working for some big companies back in the day. I mean, again, like sometimes I think early on that four hundred one k wasn't necessarily offered potentially or maybe at 21 I wasn't like oh yeah let me put three percent of my paycheck like no way you know I was making like thirty thousand dollars a year um, yeah like just getting by um again 2001 things have changed but you know for someone who to start off maybe first like for someone who's like sitting in like massive debt right now schools loans everything what is like the best first step step besides maybe reaching out to you on Instagram? Um, What is the best first step someone can do to like really sit down and be like, how do I get out of this? Like what, what should we be doing for ourselves to like kick it off? Yeah.
0: Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm going to break it up into two, yes! two parts because I think they're both, they're both really important. Mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, you have to be positive about it. Like shift the feeling and the emotions in your body to feel like I am working on this, I'm going to get out of this, this is not forever. Change the conversations you're having around debt. Debt was a resource to help you get where you needed to go in that moment. It's something that propelled you forward to where you're at now and now you're gonna take the steps to do it. Mm -hmm. Get rid of it, never get in it again, whatever that is. The practical and tactical side of that is, put it down on paper. Like list out the balances, understand the interest rates, figure out what you need to pay down first in the minimum payments. And at the very least, just like make those minimum payments.
1: Yeah. Don't mess with your credit, right? Like, I feel like that's the big, big thing these days too, because that's, that's still like a real thing, yeah. you know, proof for loans, cars, mm-hmm. like everything. And you're right in the world of instant everything. Um, it's very easy to go out, even nights out dinners, paying for friends, you know, just like all adds up. And then you're like, what did I do? And again, it goes back to shame and it gets really, you get in really negative place. So I love that of like flipping into a positive, like this is not forever. We can get out of it. There's resources and do what you can now and get yourself back on track. And in terms of someone who's in that space, and then also like, oh, Jen, how can I save? Talk to me about some ways maybe people aren't seeing savings vehicles that they're like missing out on or tapping into or, or just simple strategies for someone like just stop going to Starbucks every day. I don't know. <laughs> like, sorry, Starbucks. But like, yeah. what is our <laughs> what are some best practices to put some money away for a rainy day?
0: So there is definitely so much money slipping through the cracks. Go through your financial statement and just do a quick audit of what's coming in and going out of your accounts because how many times have you signed up for an Apple subscription or quickly signed up for a course or something that you thought you were going to do and then it's three years later and you've been having this money drip through your account. hmm Thousands of dollars I found with clients yeah, of like, yeah. oh, I forgot that I signed up for Audible two years ago. And now people aren't looking at their statements because there's there's a fear of logging into the bank account, seeing those transactions go through or not wanting to set aside, set aside time to just look at it. That's um, a real thing, which again shift, shift the mindset around it. It's exciting. It's fun to go in there and, and, and look at it. And that's where you save money. Um, The other piece of the savings piece that I see a lot of people missing out on is they're letting their money. If you do have a good amount of money, it's just sitting in your checking or savings account and really understanding what you need in liquid cash. Most people don't need anything in their bank savings account, the one that's mm. just getting 0.004%. Mm. There's so many high yield savings accounts out there that are offering four and a half to 5%. It's yeah. still there. there. There's no restrictions on taking that money out. It's super liquid. Mm. Just put it in that account and you can make make easy money off of those savings accounts.
1: Yeah, your but money easy money, kind right? Of sh- Yeah.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, I have a client who's making $4,000 a year just having his money set in a, a savings account right now. Um, it, and it was taking it from his checking account, which he was like, I, I like it there. I can see it. It feels good. Like, yeah, but it's not doing anything for you. So let's just move it over to yeah. this account.
1: Yeah, sim- simple moves. I I feel like I'm kind of the same way. So we need to revisit this offline. There's a lot of other things we need to revisit, but sometimes you, right there's comfort in like seeing it. But then it's, like, if something can, if something else can do more for you to, like, make you a little more money and then use that to be able to do more things, like, it's there, people. It's not going away. I mean, Fidelity has an app. <laughs> There's all these apps everywhere that you can look and access, even though it's not just, like, under your bank yeah. account. But I totally get it. I'm like that, too. So, yeah. Wow. Um, well, talk to me about your program. So when someone comes to – Uh, work with you, like what, what is your business called? Like, what do you offer at different tiers um, at all levels? Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your business just in total.
0: Yeah. So my business has been majorly focused on like the organizational financial planning, investment education piece. That's one-on-one with clients. A lot of that is the accountability of just having a space to do things and get through the homework to-do list that we can procrastinate on very often. So yeah, it's it's giving that space to start organizing things, create better systems, open up the right accounts, start investing, feeling really good about that. Um, the other cool piece of my business that I just opened up a little bit more is I got certified as a NLP, EFT, and hypnotherapy coach. So I'm incorporating that a lot into more of the mindset shift just around money and people, you know, who have bad spending habits, they've been built over 25, 35, 45 years, and they don't know how to switch that off. So really diving into more of like the subconscious beliefs, limiting beliefs around money, those those programs that we kind of set up for ourselves and, and don't even acknowledge a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to offer, offer more around that piece too has been really encouraging, I think, for clients just to know that they are working on the practical and tactical things, but they're working on the emotional piece of it too, which is 80% of oh, anything yeah. in life, right? Is money like is so emotional.
1: Yes. Well, like, what, what is that, like, line? Is it is it Friday? Like, messing with my money is, like, messing with my emotions. It is. And I also think there's so much, like, deep-rooted, if you have it, trauma, childhood trauma, maybe the way you grew up or the way that your parents treated money. And that's, like, passed down. And then you're right. Like, these spending habits where... I mean, I just remember getting my paychecks and they like barely lasted a week. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to express or then, you know, I'm going to do this and like a night out with like a bunch of drinks. And then you're like, oh, cool. And and, I mean, you get on this vicious cycle and that takes a lot of time and strategic habit shifting (laughs) to like really get into a better place of appreciating money and also, you know, getting out of scarcity mode putting a better energy behind it, like you said. So I love that, that you like incorporate all of that. Cause I've done some EFT training like that too. Um, and I really feel like you get a lot of blocks out of individuals, because you can say you want to save and do all these things, but wholeheartedly in your soul, (laughs) if you're not feeling it, if you're not in alignment, I'm sure you probably get those people that just tell you what you want to hear. And then you go and you follow up and you're like, wait, did we, did we miss something like in the homework? Like what's going on? So I I just feel like you have to be in the right headspace and it doesn't have to be again, perfect, but I think you have to be ready to be receiving right of that change. Do you find a lot I mean, I'm sure you do um, intake calls, and maybe there's people that probably aren't best to work with you too, right? Like, how do you kind of navigate your client base? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do discovery calls with clients and just make sure they're in in the good in the right headspace in order to start working with me. Because it is, it, I am a high touch service. I want to be meeting with you. I want to see where you're at. I don't just want to tell you what to do and then wait six or 12 months to check in with you. I want to have that relationship with you. So when you decide to do a career pivot or want to talk about moving or things like that, like we have so many points of, of conversations going on already that making that decision is like, oh, yep, easy, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that is so important to me. Yeah, And I do, I think there are people that just want sometimes a quick fix or they want somebody to set the account up for them. And, you know, it's, that's not, I will help. I, I do an hourly planning fee too, if you, if mm. that's really what you want. Cause I do mm-hmm. think that's supportive sometimes for the right person, but the clients that I'm looking for really want that, that personal financial manager who knows what's going on in their life, who they can text and call when things Mm -hmm. are coming up or when they want to buy a new car, or if they're thinking about having a kid, they can tell me a couple months in advance of like, Hey, what would that look like? And how would that reflect my finances? Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. Well, four years in almost, right? Or four years plus, like, how are you feeling about everything that you're doing? Like, what are some of your most favorite things now about owning your own business and being able to serve individuals at this level, shifting out of corporate, pivoting with purpose. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's being able to design new programs. So having a digital course, offering a group coaching program, those are things that are not usually normally allowed in the financial service industry, just because there's so many regulations around investments and what you're able to say what you're not able to say so branching out on my own and kind of taking a step outside of that financial industry space I've been able to be so much more creative with how I can serve people which has been so fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't really have to, I I mean, you, you deal with regulations, but it's not like compliance, right? You're not asking people for permission or can I do this? Like all the things that you're creating um, are coming up through needs that you're seeing or continued like white space in the market, which I think is so cool. It's so cool what you do because again, I just feel like it's either these like huge banks Right. You're going to like your go-to bank. And sometimes those people aren't always like educated to help people at like a certain level. Or they're just like, oh, just do this. And then you don't even know what they're doing <laughs> with your money. Like, I feel like I got signed up with the savings account that I like couldn't like transfer money like X amount of times. And I kept getting penalized. And then on like the bank charges. And I was like, wait, what? Like you need to reverse these like fees because it's like 30 bucks here, 30. Those bank overdrafts, like those get you, girl. No. Yeah.
0: So, and those those guys yeah. that you walk in will make commission off of how many accounts they're setting right. up. So you walk yeah. in there, and next thing you know, you have four accounts that are <laughs> nothing like, that you needed.
1: And all these things. I know. I never trusted it. That's why. And again, I'm married to um, a man in finance. But uh, I don't know. I think it's I think it's definitely some deep-rooted childhood things where he's always like, you're so secretive with your money. And I feel like it wasn't until... I know. Well, And then I don't know, ladies out there, we should just always have our own money too, right? Like, do you, you, I just, I'm not a fan of joint bank accounts. Like somebody can come at me on Instagram, but like we can, you can have maybe one, but I just, I always have my own account, Jen. I don't know. What do you feel about that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think whether you are going to have a joint account or have separate accounts, I don't care either way. But I think you need to be the CFO of mm-hmm. your own mm-hmm. money yes. and understand where things are are going. I mm-hmm. I do see a lot of women who married someone in finance or they're like, yeah, my husband takes care of the money. And you have to know, you have to know what's going on with your money. Or if they're taking it out and investing, I want you to know what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you have to do that because what happens when, you know, Everything comes to fruition and you need to know where that money is like it's really important or what debt is where and how how you things are getting paid those are all so important and need to have conversations around them yeah. but I think you you bring up such a good point I think that most people haven't really dug deep into is their childhood story around money and it's it's intense, but it's so worth looking at and thinking about how your parents handle money or what Scarcity or abundance mindset they they have instilled in you, and if that's something that's still affecting how you look at and handle money as well, yeah, and um anyone who's been listening in for a while i mean
1: there there's definitely a little bit of like woo woo in my soul for sure w- with a mix of like optimism and positivity, but I'm also gonna like shoot you straight. <laughs> I don't know. We I, I call we call me a tornado Virgo because I'm just like not a real Virgo. I'm like a fake Virgo, not because I'm like not really organized person, but I am definitely type A in like other ways. But, you know, I feel like for these conversations, it's, you know, really, yes, it's taking that childhood trauma, but then also not becoming a victim of it because you can you can really rewrite your own story. And for me, um, yeah i think that perfectionism and people pleasing growing up of like yeah. overspending to um impress like friends also or like living out of your means to like keep up with the joneses you know i just we don't need to we don't need to do that but i think that is a trip down memory lane to really say like where is this coming from for me And, and again, it goes back to your mindset and your shifts. And then like all the incredible things you do with people, um, to help them kind of kick that and then move forward and then get excited about it, get excited about savings and um, paying things off. Oh my God, I remember when I paid off my car loan <laughs> and way back in the day and now I have a lease and like don't even at me there. But um, what I remember the bank calling me, I was like, did you win the lottery? I was like, no, it's like a thousand dollars. I'm just like, I've been saving. Um, but that's a big deal, right? Paying off these things and um, so many stories too of people that um, can make those extra incomes, whether you're have a side gig or a side hustle of putting away, like, what do you think is a reasonable savings habit for someone listening in that we can just start doing today? Is it like putting, um, I don't know, like $5 away every day? Or like, what are some like easy tips that you give people right away besides like going in and canceling all your subscriptions? Because yes, and I will tell you, gym memberships also bite you in the ass as well if you forget about the <laughs> gym membership from like Planet Fitness you said even though it's 10 bucks a month that adds up that adds up you know so um give me some tips like what can i do to like start thinking about saving a little bit better today
0: yeah i would say no matter what savings because we're going to have some people who are like, maybe you're, maybe you're just starting out making the $30,000. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're high up in your career and you're now making half a million dollars, Mm -hmm. 10%. It's like Mm -hmm. non-negotiable in my book. You can do that no matter what. If you want to take a piece of that 10% and put it towards some retirement savings, great. If you want to put it towards just general emergency fund and thing or paying off debt, Great. Mm -hmm. 10%, such a small piece of your income. Mm. So is that
1: a year, like 10% a year, like every paycheck, like everything, every time something's coming out, it's like 10%. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right,
0: I like that. I mean, it'll it'll equal yeah. out if you do it. Yeah. If you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, yeah. ten thousand dollars a year, yeah. okay. it's the same it. same percentage amount if you if you're breaking it down.
1: Okay, yeah. Mm. All right, so that's step one. Step two, in terms of um, the debt, you know, going through statements, really sitting down, getting real with like what you're spending on. Where do you feel like the biggest piece of um, <laughs> the, the budget PL line you cut out for somebody. I just, I feel like going out a lot is like really, I mean, and I feel like the pandemic showed us, I, I think I saved a lot of money, uh, you know, and I also lost a lot of money. We won't get into that. But not going into eating every day and like cooking at home and then starting to like make that fun. What's what's a line item <laughs> that we should look at at our own personal p and to be like, hmm. just cut
0: back a little uh so just like seeing multiple people's like budgets in general food and going out is always one of those top line items the other one that gets people is the auto and transportation oh god what they're spending on their oh yes yeah it just it adds up so quickly like honestly i don't even care about the lattes half the time those those barely make a dent in. Most we need joy in our life, okay? So let me have my coffee. No, that is so. so Go enjoy so the. Cup.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: and yeah. It's those convenience things of Uber, DoorDash, eating out. It quick. It just quickly adds up, and there are sometimes I think okay if your priorities are aligned and you can really make that a category where you know you're going to spend that much and you're doing other things like maybe your rent or your mortgage isn't as high as the average person. Maybe maybe it's in a lower percentage rate of your take-home pay. Then sure, going out and eating is is fine, but if you're on a high percentage rate in your mortgage and your rent is 50% of your take-home and then Food and dining is twenty-five percent, and you keep like you just keep living this this high lifestyle. Yeah. It's just this lifestyle inflation that takes over, and then you you can't seem to get ahead. So yeah. being really aware around what you value, what your goals are, mm-hmm. what your priorities are. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, that's a major part of the financial planning process. Yeah. And that's where I can chime in sometimes and say, hey, you told me your uh, priorities were health and wellness. And I see we're spending a lot of money on DoorDash right now. Is that sweet green? Or, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we- or like chicken nuggets. I know. It's so crazy. And it's um, it's so easy now. And I, I checked myself the other day, too. And no, we love DoorDash. We love our delivery services. But being a little lazy and, you know, you could sit and work at your computer all day and you're like, shoot, I didn't get lunch. I didn't do this. And you want the convenience. And thankfully, I have a Whole Foods very close nearby or just grabbing something. Um, But yeah, I went to go on DoorDash and then it just like all of a sudden it's like, $70. Seventy dollars. I'm like, whoa, no, I'm a, I'm a table for one, like no. <laughs> but you want to give them a good tip, but then it's all the extra fees. And I went, th- and then I'm like, Megan, just get your butt over to Whole Foods, and that was like twenty bucks. And I'm like, oh. And then I had food no. for the next day. So it, again, it's all of those my sh- shifts, and I don't feel like we should take the joy out of our lives, but I just think if there are people that are listening and struggling, really feeling like, oh, why can't I get ahead? You have to do a reality check too. And just maybe say, oh, yeah. do I, or I need that right now or not? And then, yeah, know, um, and then make it happen and then call Jen. So for some of your programs that you have coming up, when you group coach people, like what is, what does that look like? And do you have that coming in into this new year or like, how do you work with people, Um, you know, on like a larger format if you do? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So group coaching happens usually every six months and mm-hmm. we have like limited spots available because I do want it to still be a small community of people, Yeah, but it's really, it's really set up to be more office hours. So you get this community of people that you feel safe and you don't feel the guilt or the shame or the embarrassment to talk about your money or what you're struggling with. And on my end, I'm usually kind of setting up some idea or structure of some topic we want maybe want to talk about, but sometimes it just it's easier to let them lead and say, "Hey, we're really struggling with what we should do with taxes this year," or "We paid too much in taxes," or "We want to contribute more to our 401k." Like those conversations being more organic and natural. Sometimes they're a little more fun. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you talk about um, like income?
0: I mean, do people get like a little wonky
1: about saying like, oh, I make this much a year or is that open or do they have to sign like confidential (laughs) waivers? I don't know. I feel like like what we make, especially for us women, and I was talking about this in an earlier podcast with my friend Kate who runs Luminary in New York City and helps women across all career and like finance and all things education-wise. Like we never really talk about like how many friends do you know how 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 much do you know they make like we we just don't talk about it right and I think like sh- there's a lot of shame behind saying like oh I make X amount or whatnot because sometimes people feel like it's not enough or it's too much or do you do you get into like the income piece in those group things to make people um you know feel comfortable talking about that or I don't know what do you see about the conversations around income
0: <laughs> you know? yeah yeah yeah. You- it usually depends on like the question of yeah. whether I'll ask what they're or open up the question to sh- have them share what they're making. Mm-hmm. And I found very, very little resistance to people sharing their income if they're in a safe space mm-hmm. where they don't feel like they're going to. Yeah, and it might just—it might be because they're not worth coworkers or mm-hmm. friends specifically that they feel a little bit safer. Like, I'm not, never going to run into this person on the street, like, or you know, we both are here for the reason to talk about money, mm-hmm. so they feel a little bit more confident talking about it. But I find that once people understand that you're open and willing to share, they're just as open and willing to share. Mm-hmm. And I think it is that. <laughs> I don't, I actually don't know what it is, but whether whether it's, we've been taught it growing up. Like I know my parents were very secretive. Like the one time I remember asking my dad what he made, it was like, Mm -hmm. that is inappropriate. You don't ask people that question. And that was like, done i've never asked you know after that it was like never asking anybody what their yeah. income was until i got into the financial right. world i had to do and it now every
1: day you're like um, shoot me straight sis right yeah. <laughs> we need to get to the what <laughs> <thing>. right <laughs> what's your age what's your weight what's your income <laughs> all, all the scary things you like, you can't ask that no i hear you again it's all back to how we were brought up period period uh, yeah,
0: so I would rather tell you my weight than my income. <laughs>
1: I love talking about my age, and people are like yeah. And I was like, oh, skincare. So I'm not showing you my line item 26 step routine on skincare, Jen. You will <laughs> slap. You start slapping me real hard, <laughs> you're like no. Megan. Um, Anywho, moving on. What are you so excited for? There's some things you can't put a price tag on, girl. Um, but what are you? What are some of the things that you're so excited about looking into this new year, 2024? Um, like, what do you have up your sleeve? Like you said, you're, you're, you know, taking applications or applying, like, how can people apply to work with you? Do you, yeah, like, how, how do we, how do we work with Jen? And what are you excited about?
0: Yeah. So all of those things, maybe one-on-one, maybe group coachings for you. My 2024 kind of behind the scenes thing that I'm trying to sneak into a lot of corporations before year end and budgets close is having them put a financial wellness line item in there so that maybe your company is paying for me to come in and talk with you one-on-one. Maybe they're setting up their own group coaching program so that there's just more access to this information and feeling like no matter where you are on your financial journey, you have somebody that you can create a space that you feel comfortable and start figuring out what are the next action items to start working on. Because I think that's the hard part about Google, it's all on there, but it's like this analysis paralysis of so many people coming at you with different ideas and different advice, and you can't customize it to figure out what you need to specifically do
1: mm-hmm. and there's and you know there's different people that work better with one person than the other. It's just like it's like coaching you kind of find your person, your person that gets you, and um there's clients for everyone, so that's great, yeah. and i'm I'm so excited, and i I hope that you know there's a lot of people that reach out from the podcast at least to like do you do do you do discovery calls so you do? you'll do like a free like fifteen or twenty minute. yeah, that's really awesome.
0: Um, well tell me yeah, four- it's, yeah it's a forty go ahead oh um it's a forty five minute call. so there's there's oh, wow. space to just talk about working together. There's space to if it doesn't feel like a good fit, I can at least get you started with some cool things. so don't hesitate to book book time because that's so generous interviewing financial advisors I think is my number one thing of what you should be doing yeah M- interviewing four to five advisors before you settle on one is like a sweet spot to just feel out people that work right for you
1: okay love that. So everyone put that on your goal sheet for the new year. Got it. And then, um, you know, just in terms of going back to the pivot with purpose, what would you say to somebody now beyond finance, you know, if someone's sitting in a job and maybe you do work with people that are like, I hate my job, Jen, what do I do? Uh, You know, how do you, do you coach people to really pivot and like find that next career move and, and, and. You know, how, how would you or what advice would you give to somebody that's like really struggling in a job right now wanting to make a meaningful change?
0: Yeah, I think I have this conversation a lot of the times with clients because we talk about retirement or, you know, what would you do if you didn't have to work for the paycheck or talking about things that really like in, just inspire you on a day to day basis? What do, you, what do you get lost in? What do you do for hours and you lose track of time? Finding those things, I think, are really really important to just start being aware of. I don't think we have enough hobbies and just general things that we love to do and get lost in. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something I was missing, especially early on in my corporate. I wasn't playing soccer. I wasn't going skiing. I didn't have like the arts and crafts table, like kind of set up where I could go off and just kind of do watercolors or go do pottery or things that I used to love to do. And those were things that I picked up and it was like, all right, this gives me some passion and drive back into my life that now I think it, it brings that purpose back yeah, and makes you start being more creative and, and have goals that feel exciting and achievable.
1: Yeah, and happier and present. And then you're really able to show up and serve the people that invest in you. So, and I, I get it, not not everyone's into the big... Corporate pivot getting out, but I think it's a good reminder to it can't just all just be about work, right? So, maybe another list point for the new year um, is yeah, find a hobby, find, find, or like regenerate something that you were super passionate about that maybe went to the wayside because you're, I'm too busy. We're too busy. We're all too busy now. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Do things that fill up your soul too, people. Amen. Um, yeah, so Megan and Jen wisdom. So before I let you go, some fun questions. So yes, when you're not financial planning and, and helping people like crush it and save, what are, what's like your favorite thing to do in Boston and the city? Cause I know you're pretty local, but what, where do we find Jen when not, not doing all the work things?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I am a fitness junkie. Um, mm-hmm. So you can either find me working out or in the sauna, one or the other. Uh, I love both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And maybe this
1: goes back. So is there one thing in your routine ritual daily that's like a non-negotiable, maybe beyond working out because that seems like it, but what's a daily routine ritual that's just like a non-negotiable for you every day?
0: Yeah. So I started taking Rise mushroom coffee. I don't even know if it's considered coffee, but it's Rise and it's like a mushroom supplement in the morning. So I I will take that and I sit down and I, I journal and I am not a journaler by any means, but five minutes where you just kind of like brain dump anything that's been going on in life is so helpful to start off the morning. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I, I do a gratitude journal. I try to be consistent. Some days you're like not feeling it, but I agree. And um, waking up and whether you got thoughts, something on your mind, it's it's also like very therapeutic. Are you a morning or a night person?
0: Night person. You are? What? Oh my gosh. Really? I am a night owl. Yes. Which is the opposite of what my husband is, so he's up at four thirty in the morning, and I could stay up until two a.m. So really?
1: uh, <laughs> it's I lovely. I feel like I used to be like that, and that was a habit shift, I, especially when back in my days working in retail, especially around the holidays. I mean, I was up, I was, I don't even know what I was. I was a. a an owl and like a, a, what do they say? Um, I don't know. What are those birds that get up early? Like pigeons. (laughs) You're between like a tired pigeon and a night owl. Cause like you go to bed at midnight, then you're up at six and you're opening and closing the store. So I didn't know what I was for like a very long time. But I used to hate, I'm just like, I hate getting up in the morning, but I like force myself because I feel like if I don't work out in the morning, I'm never going to, I'm just not going to do it because it's, it's so easy to get caught up. But do you work out at night? Are you one of those good like night worker outers? Because I'm just trash at no. night. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm 6am in the morning. I'm oh, working out because yeah. if, again, if I don't do it, I, I will get lost in life where oh yeah
1: the emails chatting through. with friends who
0: knows yeah Girl,
1: so wait do you stay up till two and then you're up at six no sometimes.
0: Um, I don't say up till two anymore. Okay. I'm usually around that like 10, 30, 11 o'clock, but okay. I I am more productive during the evening than I am in the morning.
1: Oh my God. I love that. See, we always learn like yeah. new nuggets. Um, so one, one question before I let you go, what are you most proud of over these past few years that you were really able to accomplish and, um, you know, get through challenges? Like what, what's been really setting with you over these past four years that you're so proud of? I just feel like we know we don't celebrate ourselves enough in the busy woman syndrome that we all live in. But yeah. What would you say you're,
0: Oh my gosh. I wish there was more space to like have celebrations around the small things because we forget it. And then we we jump to the next thing and we're not satisfied for where we're at. Um, I think one of the things I, I blocked out a lot of the noise from a lot of these older financial advisors planners who had been in the business for a long time and just kind of giving me their advice or what they were thinking or doing and it was it was a real moment when I was like I'm not listening to this anymore I need to disrupt the industry I'm gonna go out and do what I want to do I'm gonna work with who I want to work and I just kind of left and it was so liberating and It was the best decision I made, but I could have listened to them and got stuck in the rut of where I was and just chugged through. Oh, God. Hell yes to that. What
1: a what a high note to leave on and good for you. And you should be freaking proud. Um, you're doing it. You did it. You're still doing the thing. There's a lot more to come. So I am so grateful to know you and have you in my world. And I feel like there are some fun collaborations for us to do together around careers and money. So stay tuned, yes. everyone, for um, maybe some Megan and Jen collabs because it, it all ties hand in hand for sure. Yeah. Um, So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And what is the best way people can reach out to you, work with you? Do you have like one platform that you really love using? And we'll link everything in the show notes. But what's the best way for somebody to find you, engage with you?
0: I'd say go Instagram. It's at finances with Jen. DM like some photos, click on some information that maybe might help you out. Uh, It also links to my website, which gives you a scheduling calendar and you can just go from there. So easy peasy. That's what we need. One stops. Right.
1: We need that. Easy peasy. Um, Well, thank you so, 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 so much. And I um, I just appreciate our connection and I know what you do is so, so needed. So everyone, please go check out even if you want some tips and tools or book that very generous 45-minute call with Jen and just go through it. Why not? What you have to lose is more money. So take this first step in the new year. Start saving. Get yourself on the right track. Pay off some debt. Like Let's have a great year, Jen. So thank you again. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Pivot with Purpose. If you like what you heard in this episode, please tag and share us at Pivot with Purpose underscore podcast on Instagram and spread the love within your networks. For more ways to work with me one-on-one and get all access to my content, join my community by signing up at www.meganhool.com.